um, second, second Corinthians. Phyllis opened with this and um, I'm going to stay on this theme a little bit today and um, just kind of follow um, some things we feel to do. So that should be fun. There is a uh, Elijah streams. I t talk about this a lot. They've just been so good. All of the different ho um, guests that um, Steve Schultz has had. And um, this man is growing. Steve Schultz, this humble man, he is growing in um, popularity is not the word I want to use, but favor, um, but more than that, authority, like a voice and uh, he has been true to a calling and he has found a place he, uh, um, that he stands. And um, <clears throat> he was saying a little bit about his story that um, when he started Elijah Streams, uh, Elijah List, which was originally a gathering of prophetic voices and prophetic words, um, he was a leader at his church, not the leader, but a leader, and they pretty much told him, you don't have to leave, but you can't be a leader here anymore because they didn't know what to do with that. And uh, so you can sit quietly. And uh, he said out of it, he's very humble, humble-looking, humble person. And um, he said he found that out of his mouth came this words, these words, well, I have to be about my father's business. And he left. He walked out. And uh, went on Elijah streams now that became the uh, video part of that. It's so effective. So um, I had not heard of Robin Bullock. Robin and Robin, his wife's name is Robin too. Um, until Elijah streams. And um, the Lord is, is just pulling people from backwoods places, you know, places that weren't known. And all of a sudden, if the Lord begins to exalt you and set you in a place... You're, you're set up, ready or not, you know. And um, I love watching who I see the Lord pulling up, bringing up. And um, he's doing this thing uh, that they're calling intelligence briefings, like once, once a week, Steve and Robin get together and have these talks. Everything's done by Zoom. And um, so this, it would have been a week ago, Friday, maybe, that this Monday, it was a week ago Monday, so it wasn't, anyways, a week ago Monday, probably, could have been, yeah, anyways, it was not this week, but the week before, there was a, there was a podcast, we're actually going to play a clip from it, um, a program, and, yeah, okay, last, there, there. I didn't think it was that far, that far back, so it was last week. So um, Robin begins to talk to some about something as they're just talking, and they just kind of let the spear flow. He comes with a word that he wants to give, but he just kind of lets it, you know, the ebb and flow. It's fun. It's neat. It's neat to watch how they do that. And um, begins to talk about something that it really got my attention. I started filtering. You know how you're listening to a teaching and, you're all ears because you're, you're processing your life and what you do through this, through this teaching that you, that you get and the revelation that Robin had. Funniest subject, it may not apply to anybody else, but um, maybe it does. He began to talk about faith and um, what faith is and what faith isn't. And that faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, and he, he makes this statement, I can't pray for you to get faith. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think I, I agree with you and the word about that. Like, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So he said, when you hear the word, when you read the word and you hear it with your ears, faith grows. Can't conjure it up any other way. How many times have you prayed and 
without realizing what you're doing, you're scrummaging up your face, you're trying to be real intense about it. And, and, uh, but here's another thing we add that I had to hear. I went, uh-oh. We try to conjure up an emotion and a feeling. And he talks about how we approach the Lord. Jesus loves us, and there is that intimacy side of him that he responds to. He loves it when we draw near. He draws near to us. He, he said, but when you need a breakthrough and you need something to happen, he said, the Lord will come and be intimate with you, but until you apply faith to the situation and make a declaration, he just makes a statement, nothing's going to happen. He'll let you die in his arms. Now, this was a really strong statement. Because you're not in, you've not come to faith. You're crying on his shoulder. He's holding you, like coddling you. And um, don't hear this legalistically, but if you will, hear it through my ears. I needed to hear this because I often try to conjure that up. I, I didn't even realize I was doing it, but I try to get to the emotion of something. And, and he's talking, he said, we've got to start praying the word and praying the, pro like, pray out of that. And he said, he talked about an old book, I almost ordered it, I didn't, that they would use when they went out to minister, pray, uh, sing and worship, because he was, uh, uh, had, a, had a band and a worship band, and they went out, and they always, but they always ministered. And they would pray out of this book so that they could be in one accord when they prayed, because that happens to be a little notation in the upper room, and they were all in one accord, and it wasn't a Honda car. Graham Cook had this booklet called Crafted Prayer, and he also grasped this concept. He said, we, come, we find out someone in the fellowship has cancer has something really a serious, we're going to pray together. He said when Graham Cook would notice as they bring people together, everybody had this different approach to the problem. And he said, we're, we're praying, and he's observing this because Graham Cook is Graham Cook. He's prophetic, and he's apostolic. He's whatever. And uh, many of us have received a lot of things from Graham Cook over the years from Britain. And um, he, would, he would watch this. He was one of those leaders that was probably kind of, you know, not nice and warm and fuzzy like me. A little bit, you know, <laughs> a little bit bold, a little bit rough, a little bit, you know, boom, hey, like, what are you doing? You know that thing. Uh, not me ever, but, you know. And, uh, and, he, and he looked at this group of people that were praying for something. He says, whoa, 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 we can't do this. Heaven will never answer this question Let's pray about praying first. It was kind of a new concept. I had the little booklet. I still I have several copies of it. I, I loved it. I loved what he went after because he started getting answers this way. When they would pray and get a word for what the Lord wanted to do and then come together and pray that prayer over this person, stuff happened. Before then, they were all over the place. And you go, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, what does it matter? God hears our prayers. Well, it matters if it's important that we're in one accord. And how do you get in one accord? You pray the will of God. I was, um, and you pray the word. And I was talking to an old friend that I had recently run, run into. And uh, they were explaining to me they had really gotten into praying and ministering to people for a while. And then discouragement set, up, uh, set in, like some people didn't get healed. You know that thing. Okay. Hello, old friend, you know. And um, this person was saying, so I, I could see, I, I knew the whole story as soon as this person mentioned a little bit. And they had they backed off now, and they don't, and they look back at that like we were really going after this for a while, but then you got disheartened, you're not sure you're doing, and I I didn't get a chance, you know, I keep talking about this. I want to get so free that I immediately respond when I hear something from the Lord. And I, I hesitate, and the moment passes, and I'm home going, uh, here, here's what I was feeling. So I practice until the day comes where I'm totally free. And uh, I better hurry up because, yeah, I'm 67. So come on. 
Come on, you know. That song, you know. Get up, you know, my soul, you know. Don't be shy on me. Like, let's go. Let's get out of this thing. And here's what I wanted to say to that person, because I knew the story well. I, I wanted to say, it's never wrong to pray the right prayer. I don't care what you saw. It's never wrong to pray for healing. It's never wrong to pray for the things we go after. I don't care what it looks like. You have got to get to this place where believe what you know is the word of the Lord and don't budge. And it doesn't matter what it looks like and it doesn't matter who ridicules you. And it does. You've got to get to that place where you go, here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm standing. And it's not as hard as changing my mind and being double-minded. Somebody sent me the best meme, I think it was Kevin from somebody else. He goes, the, 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 uh, the definition of a double-minded man is a prophet that apologizes for his word. I'm like, ooh, ouch, yes, true. I have to agree with that. Give the word. How many men have died giving a prophecy and never saw it come to pass? But it did come to pass. We're going to listen to one at the end of the service today. Kenneth Hagin in 1963 gives this amazing prophecy that looks exactly like where we are right now. And he did not see that come to pass. He didn't dare repent for that or apologize. Oh, I missed it. It's like the word is true. God is eternal. We come and go. We're like the, the scripture says this. We're like the vapor. Like we're here, we're gone. We're like the leaves. We're like the grass. It grows up. It looks like a mess. You cut it, it withers away. And next week it needs cut again. Like, you know, we grow up, we come, you know. And, and so I take to heart what I hear from Robin and I just, I just meditate on it. And I look at this scripture that is uh, 2 Corinthians 1. And um, it was in one of my... Um, uh, comfort text today. I think I used it at one point. Um, and so it reads a little differently in this version, but I like this. I like this a lot. And uh, I'll read verse 19 because this is a subject as he's is he building and he's talking in the verses preceding about flip-flopping and your yes and your no and back and forth. Have you ever been back and forth a little bit? It's that double-mindedness. I know. I know. It's like I hate that thing. I, it needs eradicated. And listen, there's, don't be condemned. There's hope for you. Get your feet on the rock. Get established. Get, get your feet on the path the Lord has for you, and it'll come to an end. Like, calm the heck down. Stop trying to follow everything and be every place. Like, settle down. Wait on the Lord. Get direction and just settle there and just wait. Just wait. Don't try to be popular. Don't be the first one with the new news. Just, just calm down. And guess to verse 20, 20. I'll read 19 too. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he is the one whom Timothy, Silas, and I have preached to you. And he has never, and, and he has never been both a yes and a no. He has always been and always will be for us a resounding yes. And then verse 20, for all of God's promises find their yes of fulfillment in him. And this is that picture that Phyllis illustrated where she, she stands, Jesus stands in front of, she stands in front of Chris. And who do we see? If we're looking at Chris, we see her. And if we look at God, Jesus is, is in between us and him. And when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. That's great news. Even when I think I'm doing great, it's better that he sees Jesus and not me. Because I've got a history. I've got things that, you know, I've got doubts. I've got stuff. I vacillate a little bit. I'm not always as clean as I should be. I get dirty. I smell. I whatever, you know. I got a bad, bad attitude. I'm mad at somebody. Am I gonna, yeah, I'm going to forgive them. Eventually, like, you know, you, we have to work through things. But, but when you're in Christ and you truly, he's truly, you truly start to realize you don't have to make an appeal to God. You just have to come in the likeness of in faith in Jesus and 
He, see, he sees that. See, Robin Pollock made this statement, probably the one that really caught my attention to get me listening really well. He said, stop pleading with God. Stop, don't beg. Like, don't do that. Like, that pleading thing, that's... And Steve Schultz says, yeah, I used to do that a lot. Like, he go, and Robin says, you know where you learned that, don't you? And you learned that from getting your way with your parents. If they said no, then you put on the, please, you know. If you beg enough, if you plead enough, your little kids, they can put a con on you real quick, can't they? You're, you go, wow, you're amazing. Where'd you learn that at? You're playing me like a fiddle. Grandchildren don't count. They would never. They're perfect in every way. <clears throat> How many times when you have a real thing to pray for do you plead that you, you go there? By doing that, you think, here's how I'm going to get God. Like, Lord, I really want you to do this. Like, All of God's promises find their yes of fulfillment in him. So the yes is already there in Christ. There's already a yes. And his yes and our amen because there needs to be an agreement. Amen is what? If I say something, you go amen. You're like, that's good. That's a good word, Rick, right? That's what you mean. It's not a praise to me. It's like, yeah, we're there. Amen. God does something good. We got amen. <laughs> like we grow like that's good. I'm glad you're with me, you know. And so that it's so important. So I get a text as I often do. This is from a friend in the ministry. Most of you do not necessarily know this person doesn't matter. But I'm not talking about anybody here. And this person's prone to have problems. They've had real problems, a lot of them. I've been that person often. Think about how often we are telling our story. And um, have you ever asked your quest, yourself the question, why am I really telling this story, this drama, this thing that I'm struggling with? What, what is the goal? What do you want from the person you're telling it to? And I discovered, I discovered this in someone else, <laughs> which made me look back at myself. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, that's cool. Sometimes, and maybe yours is different, but sometimes we just want pity. Do you know pity doesn't satisfy? Like, do you want help? Do you want answers? Why are you telling this story, this drama? My kids did this. My wife did that. My past is this. My whatever. You're telling your story. What is the end goal as you're relating that to someone? What do you want? Do you want them to correct you, fix you? No. Matter of fact, friends beware. If someone's not telling you because they want the truth, be careful giving them the truth. They may lash out at you. Probably will. Block you from Facebook. How dare you? I wanted pity. I didn't want answers. I know that's crude. That's rough. But I'm, I'm directing this to myself. I went, oh, boy. How many times in the ministry through all these years, Phyllis and I were telling our story, what do we really want? This happened. This person left. And we were in this. We did this. And I'm, I, I wasn't the problem. <laughs> Probably. But, yeah. I don't see it that way. And, and I've found when someone asks, hey, how you doing? And I start getting into this story about the past. We all have a past, huh? But what past are you telling and are you over it? Or is it still a, are you still looking for someone to go, oh, I feel so bad for you. You're pitiful. I feel pity. I pity you. Like, do you really want that? And so... This person's sharing, and a lot of tragic things have happened. Listening, and I always, I, I've, I'm, I'm doing things, I'm always doing something, 
I get the text, I read, it's a serious, like, I'm in pain, I'm sick, I've been sick, this is another sickness, this is another thing, it's like, kind of de- hope, depressing, like it's like not a good report, and my wife's in so much pain, she's going to have to go to surgery, and da 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 and add all the rest of the story to that, and it's like, whoa, and then you just like, so when this happens, I haven't been processing it well, I'll just say that in general, I do the best I can, but I, 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 I needed this word from Robin to go, my feeling bad from that for them will not help anything. And I have this feeling that if I feel empath, if I empathize, if I empathize, did I say that right? Enough empathy, like feeling for someone, that that will help. But it's like you know, it's like. It's like an ice cream cone when you really should lose weight. It's that thing, you know? It's like eating mashed potatoes. It was like, hey, 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 pull up on the potatoes a little bit. You know, that, that thing. Like, yeah, here, have some more potatoes. You're depressed. You're overweight. You're sick. And it would, here, have some more. Like, oh, thank you. You know, like, what? what? No, no, get that stuff away from me. I, that's, the, why, that's why I feel the way I do. And so I went... I'm not helping people. Like, I keep trying to get there, and I, then, then when it's hard, I con- try to conjure it up. It's like, this isn't helping. Robin said is what, when you speak a word of faith, and you come in faith, and you, and so I stopped what I was doing. I went to my study. I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking about this. I'm going to respond differently than what I normally would which is sometimes I'm just stuck and I'm not sure what to say. So that happens a lot too. I'm like, oh, wow, you know. So I go to my study and I, this scripture and another scripture, I write them out in text, like, and, and, and then a short declaration for them, for him and his wife. Boom. It's simple. I know I've just, I didn't try to conjure up feelings. I spoke a word, I spoke the word into this situation that's much bigger than, I don't know how to fix that. I have no, I can't conjure up faith for, I can't, I have nothing. But the word says that every promise that from the Lord, I don't have to conjure up, they're here, packed full of them. Psalms 103, forget none of his benefits. He forgives you, he heals you, he establishes you, he does all these things. Like, don't forget this, remember this. I don't have to conjure that up for anybody or myself. I need to stand in these promises without even emotion necessarily. It's okay. Just, just stand in the Word. Speak what's true and trust the Lord. And I send, it, I send this short declaration, these two verses, a short declaration, and he sends me back three hearts like, like, wow. And I went, touche. I, I felt that. I didn't feel it myself, but I went, Ah, I think I got it right that time. That's a great feeling for a pastor that doesn't get that feeling very often. You know, like, wow. Honestly, that's the curse of the ministry, trying hard and not getting, not having any satisfaction that you nailed it very often. But now regardless of like, wow, so I went, ooh, this is really, really good. So I wanted to share that with you. Find the word. Let's, let's, let's get full. I'm listening to Robin Bullock quote scripture like crazy. And, and, and because I'm preoccupied with a lot of things that even what I had starts to wane. And, and there's just a stirring like let's get back in the word. Phyllis is memorizing. Cindy's praying and reading things, scripture. And, and like you're, I know that some of you are really coming alive in this. Wow, we will be different people. You don't have to conjure up feelings. Don't didn't like, don't try to get your emotions up. In our worship, like, I want to pay attention that our worship songs are worship songs. You know, like, let's worship the Lord. That's what changes us, like, being grateful and thankful and really. The Lord cares about how we feel. He does care. He'll coddle us, but we must start making declarations. We must find the promises and then release them with a, with a declaration in your household, in your situations. And don't trust yourself. Trust that. Trust that. 
So same with the prophetic words. Um, let, let's just keep moving. Um, you all know I can run down bunny trails that aren't even fruitful. I'd be real, yeah. I can feel real motivated, but it doesn't mean it's fruitful. So um, we're going to listen to this word by, it's only three, four minutes long from Robin Bullock that he had for the nation, for the president. And it doesn't help to get emotional about what's going on. So, you know, true confessions from, you know, the pastor, like, does it change anything if I'm upset about it? No. At the end. Thank you. So we're going to do this, and then we're going to move to that, and then we'll close with that. Um, So we need to celebrate our prophets and our prophetic people, and discern. Got to discern because they're not. Can't follow them all, but but when you hear a word and you go yes and amen, then let's just let that be. Like agree with it, believe it. This is strong, but. As I led you to Gideon, the story of Gideon and Judges, he made a real, he made real sure that the Lord was with him and the Lord, he asked for signs and confirmations. When's the last time you asked the Lord to confirm something he's speaking to you? It's not weakness. It's like, I need to know that I need to know that I need to know because I got to go face the relatives. Don't worry about the Mennonites. Did I say Mennonites? They're the nice people down the road. The, the Midianites. Midianites. Okay. Yeah, I almost took that a whole other direction. Yeah. And he did, and when he was certain, the Lord ended up giving him four confirmations as he went through this. When he, remember what the Lord called him right out of the gate, you valiant warrior. And then he tells him, you go in this might of yours, this might, this passion for injustice. You're living in a situation where there's injustice and you're like, this shouldn't be. This was King David, as I told you when he was a, a boy. He goes to the, to the battlegrounds. He's like, this shouldn't be. This idiot over here, this uncircumcised Philistine, probably the worst name you could call him. He's taunting the army of Israel, the God, the, you know, Israel, whose God is the Lord. Like, what? I don't need armor. I don't need anything. Give me a slingshot. I'm taking a dude down in the name of the Lord. And he does. I killed the lion. I killed the bear. I didn't have to, but I did because I could because I'm like, you're not taking my lamb. And this guy's not taunting our nation and God especially. And he goes out, and, he, and in that might, he goes. It's the might of, of a resolve to see justice come for the name, for the sake of the Lord, for the name of the Lord. So, um, so Robin gives this, this word, and um, it, it is so, it's, it's, it's strong. Gideon, I hope you understand in that story. We, we love it in Sunday school. People died. A lot of people died. Kings and leaders died in that story. He cleaned house. He was beyond a Marvel character at the end of that story. And he delivered Israel from all of this oppression. And he didn't get a whole lot of support from the leaders of Israel. Matter of fact, they made fun of him almost the whole way. And it's like we're at that place in our nation like normal church or kind of our whatever, we've got to kind of come alive, come up here to the God, the God of Israel is going to show up. The Lord of hosts, of the Lord of, you know, the host of angel armies is coming and he's coming with, with this, with uh, vindication. There's, there's some things that are going to get judged and dealt with. So um, Adam, if you can, you can play that. I'll make some comments. We'll move on to this other kind of taken prophecy as well. Yeah. Well, I have this prophetic word, Brother Steve. And um, the Lord spoke to me about this, and I'm going, I'm going to say it now. And, and this is what the Lord says to me. He said, the first thing he said, he said, Joe Biden is a Bible fool. 
That's the first thing he told me. He said, Joe Biden is a Bible fool. He said, Donald J. Trump, do not listen to your advisors. They tell you to wait. For your time is running close now. Your advisors telling you this are like the advisors of Zedekiah. The prophet Jeremiah told him what to do. Zedekiah did not listen because he was afraid of the nobles. By listening to them and not Jeremiah, Zedekiah lost his sons and his sight and his kingdom. He says, though there were some of them in the evangelical crowd around you, talking to Donald Trump, gave you wrong advice. That does not mean all did. He said, square your shoulders and do not forget the prophets. Do not be afraid of riots and turmoil in the streets, for this will be anyway. Stir it up and cause them to make mistakes, for they will give themselves away to the American people. Joe Biden, the Lord said, Joe Biden be damned for what he's done to my heritage, says the Lord the slaughter of my unborn, and the laughter he has given to the same. I saw, and his time has come. But you and I know, says the Lord, who is putting, who is pulling his strings. And it is not the laughing witch who seeks to be in control of my house you call white. Though they seek to set themselves up, though they seek to set themselves up, says the Lord. I'm trying to read my own writing. Says the Lord, I will pound them in the ground until they are dust. For dust they are, and to dust they will return. Though you cause riots when you decide to do what I have said, he said to Donald Trump. Let them be caused. For underground combatants have risen up. And I never intended on this country to be party ruled as it is now. You must move quickly, says the Lord. I heard those around you. And I heard this conversation, Steve. I heard those around you that advised you saying, do not listen to the prophets this time. Thus saith the Lord, they have their own agenda. They are planning their own future, and it does not include you. I have placed on your shoulders Israel and the U.S., but I have also placed on, your, on, your, on you a mantle to bear such weight. I, says the Lord, all my eyes, says the Lord Almighty, have brought you such a word by the mouth of my prophet. Run fearlessly with it. It is not time to deal with head games. Hit it straight on now, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. Deuteronomy 31.6. Move. And that was the end of the word that the Lord gave me. Wow. So, Robin, there's the, what, you, what you're saying is. I want y'all to hear that. Like, that's, that's powerful. Um, when we had our men's retreat, I went back to Eric Metaxas's book, um, If You Can Keep It, about the Constitution and the revelations that he had, and he... I shared out of the um, chapter five, it talked about morality among leaders and a call that uh, leadership in all, all realms must be moral. And when it's not, everything evil comes. And it's a call, this is, like the this is why the church cannot check out. The church must stay engaged. We, we, we should represent virtue. 
even when we fail, we still acknowledge what is right and what is wrong. And it's huge. And we need virtue. We've lost sight of what our nation should even look like. And what I'm hearing that is for the days ahead, a little beyond the mess we're in right now, the difficult times we're in right now, is that there's a whole new thing coming. And what we're used to, this party rule, this rule of the parties, it doesn't have to be this way. And what a politician is, we're so used to it, it's like we don't even expect anything different. People in government, if they were godly people and a whole different caliber of people, do you understand it'd be a, a place to serve selflessly? They would not be career politicians where they get rich over things. And we look at this and we think this is new. This wasn't new. Eric goes back. I was just watching the movie last night, Amazing Grace, the story of... Um, of um, well, well, it's Wilberforce, yeah. Was Wilberforce's last name? Yeah, William Wilberforce. Yeah, William Wilberforce. And uh, um, have you all, all seen that? It was he was the voice. He was the voice that went after the slavery issue in Britain. He never came to America, but he's the one that affected our abolition of slavery here in America. Like, and what a story! And this man starts out as carnal in his young life, as as anybody else was. And the, and the immorality that was in the governmental leaders was open. It was bizarre. They were drunk at their, at their meetings, like congressional, what, what do you call the, the, British, the House of Commons? They, they were absolute playboys, every one of them. 25% of the women at that time were prostitutes. That's how bad it was. It was just, it was just totally out of control and celebrated. People, they would openly exchange money for votes. Oh, you want me to vote with you? Well, you know, give me $10,000. Like, it was open. It's going on right now, too, but but it was it was open. It was flagrant. It was, and William Wilberforce gets converted. He, he comes to the Lord. He has convictions. He begins to change the whole culture. Like he goes after this thing, and the story, the movie's good. And then there's a book that um, Merrick Metaxas read. Did, did you read it, Cindy? Is that you have Will, the story of William Wilberforce? Yes, amazing. And um, so we need a we need a total like boom like this all needs to go away. We were, we were separating between Republicans and Democrats like, oh, my God. I'm not worried about the Democrats anymore. I'm like, oh, geez. The Republic, they're showing they're, they're, they're horrid. They're, they're all the same. They just wear a different color. Anyone that is corrupt and living under this, it, they've all got to go. It's bad. Here's the thing. I don't think this is the end, and I don't think it's how it's supposed to be. Um, are you? Do you have that next video with? Oh yeah, we're going to do it that way. Okay, let's take time to do this because this is amazing. Okay, this will just be this will just be audio, anyways. Um, so Clay Clark, who is who did the um, Awaken America conferences all around the. Um, countries, they might be over, almost over as few, but uh, I went to Tampa, Phyllis and I did, and uh, this was very significant, and um, um, Kim Clement had a word for Donald Trump, like he called out Donald Trump before he was around, like known, and also Mr. Clark, and so people started listening to him, and what he is, this guy he went to Oral Roberts University, but he was, there wasn't much Christian about him by his own confession. It wasn't until one of his sons, his children, were born blind. And his wife says, I'm going to pray and believe. And he forbid her to pray for us. That's how anti-Christian he actually was. His story. Well, the son gets healed and made a believer out of him. He is now on fire. And there is a, a revival, like at these Reawaken America conferences, prophetic things are 
breaking out. People are alive, like they're coming alive in the spirit, coming to this. It's, it's, and that's what I came back saying. It's like this is a beautiful thing to see, like the patriots and the, and the believers, and the prophet, they're coming together and you go, whoa, this is, we didn't see that. Like we're always wanting to separate all that. It doesn't, ha- it's not supposed to be separated. It's supposed to be like, that's synonymous. And so he's doing this and he, he is on with Steve Schultz and they play a clip from the 1963 Kenneth Hagin. He is interviewing Kenneth Hagin's grandson. This is Rama Bible College, and that was where the first Reawaken America conference happened in Rama. That's it was the only place Clay Clark that would say yes to him. Everybody else like, no, no, we're afraid, we can't do this, and he he hosted it. Rama Bible College hosted it. They had like four thousand people there, and that's where this spirit thing starts breaking out in the midst of all these speakers, Doctor Doctor uh, Us. Well, there were a bunch of doctors, Michael Flynn, Sidney Powell, all these big hitters were there, Um, doctors, virologists, and uh, pastors. So, you ready? So, this is this this word. It's a little bit hard to understand. It's old, 1963, um, and uh, you can get a transcript of it, but um, yeah, this is wild. People started texting me this prophecy featuring his grandfather from 1963. Wow. And I had already, my mind was already blown from the Kim Clement prophecies. Whenever you have a guy by the name of Kim Clement who's a very accurate prophet who references your name, that's a little overwhelming. I was just dealing with that. When Lynn Wood and Roger Stone and other people are talking to you largely because of your body of work and a Kim Clement prophecy about (laughs) you, it's it's a little overwhelming. Um, But then when people are going, it's happening it's happening. I'm like, what is happening? Because I'm not a Rama guy. They go, the 1963 prophecy is happening. And I'm going, what prophecy is happening? And so I wanted your listeners to hear this because it is the most spot-on, uh, goosebump-creating prophecy I've heard from yesteryear. It's from 1963. Wow. And Steve, when your listeners hear this, you can't tell me that it's not describing exactly what America and the world is dealing with right now. I could see as a mount laid out before me the entire nation, all of the states of the continental United States. And as I looked, he said, Behold, son, and I shall show you that which shall come to pass, and that which the eyes of many shall see, and they shall remember that their ears heard that it shall come to pass. For there came a dark hand up out of the ocean from the east, even the Atlantic Ocean. It came up out of the sea as a hand and as it rose up into the air it became a dark cloud and it filled the whole atmosphere and yet it swept in them like a star from sea. And I said, O Lord, Oh Lord, oh Lord, what's the meaning of this? And he spake unto me and said, Son, that is the darkness of atheistic communism that is sweeping across the nation, even in the minds of men in high places and politicians with great power. And this nation shall not grow more strong and ye shall never have more liberty than you have now, but liberties that you've known, as you have seen, seen them see, shall be seized and shall be taken from you. And I looked again, and I could see upon the mountain a blot, as though a bottle of ink had been spilled and it spread out over several states in the south and east. And then I looked and I could see spots, splotched all over the map. And I said, Lord, what meaneth this? And he said, communistic inspired hatred among races shall cause greater turmoil than your nation has seen heretofore. Yea, it is not the will of God, but men's hearts are perverse. They walk without the love of God and seek to have their own way. And so it shall be worse than you have seen. And I said, Oh Lord, 
Oh, Lord, is there a remedy? Is there a remedy? What shall the answer be? And he said, Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceived and being deceived. And then I said, Oh, Lord, do we have nothing to look forward to in the future except the darkness, the blackness, war, destruction, evil? Then he said, Son of man, forget not your text, for you look at the things not seen. And so then I looked into the spirit realm, and I saw falling upon that mountain a ball of fire from heaven. The closer to the earth, the bigger it got. And then when it came to the earth, it divided into small balls or sparks of fire and fell upon men. And I saw an army of men rise up. And it seemed as though their hands were fire. And they sat upon their heads a tongue of fire. When I first saw it, I thought their whole head was a head of fire, like their hands. But it was a tongue of fire. Tongues of fire leaping. And I said, what meaneth this? And he said, before the worst shall come, and the day of darkness shall come, there shall those who will go who shall carry the fullness of my truth and the fire. Not only to the states of this nation, but to many other places. For there is a work that must be done first spiritually before the Lord shall come. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. It's helped. Feel spirit on that. <clears throat> we're going to come together and we're going to pray. We're going to stand and pray. Um, years ago, I was aware that this was going to happen. And I remember thinking, what is there to do to stop it? And I kept watching it come this way. And then, of course, this last thing I knew, I just knew, I told a few people, I know what's going on. And, um, <clears throat> and so um, one of the things that I've been looking for, and as you know, because I've stood up here Sunday after Sunday, I, I, Sunday, I started talking about the end times. Um, and so one of the questions that I've had is, Lord, is this it? Are we in the end times? And if we are, how do we pray against this? What do we do at this point? It's like, because I can't pray against what I know the word said is going to take place. So what are we to do? I need a word. And so what I've been hearing from the prophets is that that. The enemy is trying to push this end time, this, the, um, yeah, the timeline for the tribulation. Because what we need is what he just said. There needs to be a move of the spirit because of those that are not saved. And we are in this place where there's, and especially in the United States, such lukewarmness or being asleep or immorality. You've got the immorality in the Christians. You've got the lukewarmness and you've got the sleepiness in the body of Christ. And so the Lord has called forth this time of awakening and uh, this time of becoming hot and not lukewarm. In fact, the scripture said it'd be better if you were cold because then I could get you going. But if you're lukewarm, it, it's the frog that's going to die because it's in the water and the, the heat's coming up and they don't even know they're dying. <clears throat> So I've been saying, Lord, I need a word. I need to know the time. And so he's been confirming it, prophet after prophet. And when I listened to Kenneth Hagin, uh, the, the other day I went, this is the word I'm looking for. He said, it's not the will of God that this take place. 
It's not his will. And he said, and if you look in 2 Corinthians 4, 418, which is significant because the word of the Lord from that dream was 418. It was Luke 418, but here's 2 Corinthians 418. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so when he said, Do, is there any hope? And he said, you go with your text. What's not seen is what God is saying. And he's saying, I'm going to pour out a ball of fire and it's going to land on the people and there's going to be a revival that takes place and we're going to be able to speak. We're going to be able to do the things we're supposed to do. Our job is to believe for that fire. Not only that, but Kenneth Hagin, and I've got, I wrote it out and this was about a year ago. I wrote this out where it says, uh, where Kenneth Hagin said that this revival that is coming about, this move of the spirit, people are going to be praying for people to be delivered from demons like never before. Healing is going to take place. And he said, and churches and people are, the other people are going to see flames of fire over your head. And they're going to see flames of fire over churches and they're going to come in. Our job, Fellowship of the Beloved, is to get on fire. Our job is to do our part. Our job is to fulfill the prophecy over us that we have a 50-mile radius. That's what we've been given. And so our job is to declare, to believe, and to see what the Spirit is saying and do it. We know you're asleep if you don't know that all of this has taken place. I'm going to tell you now, it has been prophesied that there will be a civil war. But it's also been prophesied by Kevin that it's not going to take us out, us. That the, as soon as it comes up, it's going to go down. So we need to become one in the spirit and begin, now that we have the words of the prophecy, to begin to call forth the tongues of fire, the fire, the revival, the move of the spirit so that people will be saved, so that we are operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the biggest thing you can do is accomplish the task which you've been given when you stand before the throne. Amen? Amen. There's nothing greater. Not remodeling your house, not winning the baseball or football game, not going on vacation. It's like the best and the biggest thing you can do is get serious, learn and know your Bible, and declare and, and get in a place where you are doing the works of the Lord. Are you in agreement with me? If you're in agreement, then we are going to see this take place. Now, I told you before that I've been praying for, for the, the eagles. But in the supernatural, it is the angels of the Lord. And so in the supernatural, the Lord says he will send his ministering angels and he will help us. <clears throat> and I found a scripture, and I didn't know whether to share this or not, but I found a scripture that I have underlined, but I, it, it didn't hit. And it was this. We know the scripture that says that God, if you deny Jesus before men, he'll deny you before the Father. Everybody know that? Well, there's another scripture that says, if you deny Jesus before men, he'll deny you before the angels. I went, what? Do you hear what I'm saying? If you deny Jesus, he will deny you before the presence of the angels. 
How many in here realize that? I didn't think so. I didn't either. What does that mean? That means when you need angelic assistance, that means that you need God's ministering angels to be with you and to do, help you do the task. If you deny God, deny Jesus, he'll deny you before those angels to do what you're supposed to do. None of us are denying the angels. We've got their help. We've got their help. So stand with me. So we're going to agree. How many agree that communism is taking over our country? I want to see your hands. Atheistic, Atheistic common, communism. Okay. How many agree that Jesus said there's going to be an end-time revival where there is a great harvest? How many agree with that, that that's going to take place? So we are going to come before the Lord. I'm going to lead us in prayer. And we are going to call forth that fire upon us as a people that we will accomplish the task. Father, you guys just pray after me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we call forth that fire that you prophesied. We will accomplish the task you've given us to accomplish by the power of the Holy Spirit and your ministering angels. We declare that we have influence in the 50-mile radius. We declare that souls are going to be saved and, and healing is going to take place and demons are going to flee. We declare that the, the task you have called us to accomplish will be accomplished through the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus, that you have a solution for this end time crisis. We thank you, Lord. You are for us, not against us. Praise you, Father. Father, we pray this in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we, I'm just asking that you give every one of the people in this place more of an understanding of the giftings that you have given them. Father, that they will be drawn to your Son, that they will be drawn to the Holy Spirit, that they will be attentive to your word, and that they will walk out what they are called to walk out. I thank you, Lord, in, in ahead of time, that this will be accomplished in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on up, kids. October is Pastor Appreciation Month, so we just wanted to show our appreciation to our pastors here for always supporting everything we want to do, huh. giving us freedom to be kids. So they've all written a sheet, five things that they love about their pastor. Does anybody want to read theirs? Huh? They're great. Some of them, you should hear some of them. Five things you love about Pastor Rick. Number one. Mackenzie and Jace. <laughs> number two his voice um, number three he prays for me number four he lets us go, go on golf cart rides and number five he's loving anybody else? shy today huh? nobody? Shyla? no? okay you want to say yours? we can get okay <laughs> He invites me to his house. 
He invites us to his house. He lets me into his house. He lets us play on the John Deere. And golf carts rides. I love his singing voice. And, we, and the kids all made, um, you want to hold that up? It says, thank you for helping us grow with their little thumbprints on there. Aaliyah, you want to say yours, honey? Okay. He is funny. <laughs> he is helpful. I like his golf cart. <laughs> his voice. He's prayed for me. What he preaches, he made a playground. He lets us ride on the golf cart. He lets us do VBS, and he lets us decorate. 